0: have questions about relationships, mental health, sex, babies, and everything about life that just gets thrown at you in your 20s? Well, if you do, sit back and relax and tune in while I discuss these topics and invite guests to share their stories and issues that we all may be having. So grab a glass of your favorite wine and wind down with me. everyone, welcome back to the second episode of Wind Down. I'm your host MK and I just wanted to apologize for the audio on the last episode. You know how things go with getting started and whatnot, all these technical difficulties and just issues behind the scenes. I'm still trying to get a hold of this editing software. I tried out a new one because the other one was giving me so many issues with my mic and... Hopefully this one's a little bit better. It's still a little bit finicky for me, but you know, I'm still learning. Anyways, I want you to get to know me a little bit better and have an insight as to what's going on in my life. And as some of you know, I have a sleeping disorder. It started years back, way back in childhood, and I've had severe insomnia. I'd be sometimes sleeping for only two to six hours a week. Sometimes more, sometimes less. And it greatly affected my education and just everything about that life. And then it affected my relationships with my family, my friends my overall health, and I don't know, I just learned to deal with it. Back in high school, I was really active in sports and school activities, and with me having insomnia and all, I thought it was just a normal teen thing that I was going through. Like, you know, how kids are in high school, they have so many things going on, so many things to study, so many extracurricular activities. And I thought that was just normal for a, you know, youngin to go through. I didn't really sleep. From what I can remember now, I didn't really sleep back then in high school. I just did what I could, and I just went through everything, and I didn't really think much of it. And then years went by, and then I went into my second job, which was at a call center, and that's where shit started happening. So that job was affected severely, like severely, you have no idea. Uh, Basically, from what I know or what I can remember, it started in October of 2015, and I started having episodes of sleeping here and there, which was really bad because at some points I'd wake up on my own, and at some points other people had to wake me up. And I got caught a few times, which is obviously a given, and I got a few written notices. And then to the point where I was suspended for a week because I was sleeping, it almost called for termination. But, um, you know, we had this whole discussion about what was going on and they reconsidered. And at the time, I made friends with a resident doctor. And well, he's a real doctor now. I saw up. <laughs> and um, yeah, he told me to get it checked out. At the same time, we were also discussing other sleep aids with another one of our co-workers who was setting to become a pharmacist. I was telling him how I previously took melatonin and other sleep aids and tried changing my lifestyle and it just, you know, nothing worked. So he told me to take Benadryl because Benadryl makes you drowsy and that basically is supposed to knock you the fuck out. I took it. I took it here and there and I just proceeded on and then Rob. Highly disapproved of taking Benadryl, so I went to my GP because he was so pushy about it. And I talked to her about my issues, and she told me about a short-term medication and prescribed me Zobliclon, which is also known as Imavane, and that was in January 2016, so a couple of months after. And at that point, that was my first time taking any type of those medications. And let me tell you, Zopiclone is some nasty shit, like nasty, nasty as fuck. Don't take it. It's gross. It was bitter for me. It didn't work and I felt shitty. Let me tell you about this medication a little bit more. You can't swallow it. You can't chew it. You have to fucking put it under your tongue and let it dissolve, which If you haven't tried it's it tastes like vomit. Think about it. You have to lie down while the medication is dissolving so your mouth tastes like vomit. And then you have to try to go to fucking sleep. Like how? It's nasty. Uh Uh-uh. Don't recommend. Don't take it. I went back to the doctor, told her that the medication wasn't working and it was horrible for me. So she prescribed me clonazepam which is also known as colonopin, and that's a benzo. And from what I know, or from what I've heard at least, doctors aren't usually supposed to prescribe benzos right away because it's a different class of drug. But I don't know, I guess the severity of my insomnia was, I don't know, striking to my doctor, so she prescribed me that. And yeah, during that appointment, we talked about it more and she wanted to do more follow-ups so she told me to come back after trying the medications. So I went back for the follow-up and as soon as I got in the receptionist gave me some paperwork to fill out and I was like oh okay what's this? And when I looked at the paper it was a general anxiety survey and I'm thinking to myself okay well I didn't really think I'd have anxiety. Did I have anxiety? Did it seem like I have anxiety? I just, I don't know, I thought it was just my sleeping issues. I mean, I've heard that I may have anxiety, but you know, I don't really think I'd actually have it. I mean, Sorab kept telling me that I may have anxiety and to just get my issues checked because I was so panicky all the time and I'd get startled easily to the point where I'd just jump out of my chair for like no reason and other people don't really do that so when i did the test or survey rather and i talked to my doctor more she made me get more blood tests and that all came back negative negative. and then after that things just kind of stopped like i don't really know why but i don't remember actually fixing the issue back then it just my doctor just stopped asking me to come in and she You know, didn't prescribe me any refills for the clonazepam so I'd still have those issues and I don't know. It just kind of flew by and then a few years passed and that's when things started, I don't know, reversing? Like I started sleeping more. I didn't take any sleep aids or change my routine or anything. Everything was completely the same. That was the weird part because I literally went from insomnia severe insomnia to hypersomnia and then severe hypersomnia and hypersomnia is oversleeping and i want to get a checkup from the other doctor in the clinic her partner um because my gp had such a high caseload so she had a partner like helping her during that time still is she's still there Um, so I started seeing her more often, and I considered her to be my GP because of how often I visited her instead of my actual GP. Anyways, I went into the clinic to get more refills for my birth control, and it was supposed to be a simple in and out prescription type of thing. But you know how those types of appointments go. She briefly discussed how I was doing and we lightly touched base on my depression and then it started opening about my sleeping issue and then started discussing about how I was, you know, sleeping for over 12 hours a day and still feeling tired. And she, when she heard that, she was like, that's not normal, that's that's very abnormal. And to me, like, I didn't really think much of it because I've always had sleeping issues. And when I explained it to her, I basically told her that I would wake up, go to work, and then start napping, you know, having those episodes at work. And then I'd go home, rest for maybe 30 minutes to an hour, depending on the day. And then I'd quote, quote, nap until the next day, when I have to wake up to go to work again. You know, my previous work wife, Mama Vo always gave me the shits for calling it napping when I got home because I wasn't napping, I'd be sleeping. But you know, in my defense, I intended it for it to be a nap. So I'm still call it napping. Anyways, that whole cycle with the waking up, going to work, go home, falling asleep until the next day, that repeated daily, like literally on a daily basis. So she referred me to a sleep specialist. She also requested me to do more blood work just to rule out you know other internal issues like maybe I had thyroid or something and those came back negative. Oh she did tell me that I was a confirmed carrier of thalassemia which is from what I understand it means my red blood cells are smaller than average so I can be slightly anemic which explains so many things but um, it's also like a blood disorder but I'm not going to get into that. Anyways, she said it had nothing to do with my sleep issue so she told me to just see what the specialist says. And yeah, so that's when I started seeing the apnea specialist. Um, they had apparently in the sleep disorder world, they have different specialists and I guess for this time, they probably thought I had sleep apnea because that's usually the general thing that other people have. So I went in, did a general consult, and he questioned me about my sleep issues, and he said that generally people with sleep apnea are older, bigger men. And he emphasized that, older, bigger men. Like when he saw me, when he entered the room, he was surprised that I was a tiny Asian girl with this issue. Because, generally, he doesn't really see that in his practice. He examined my throat, and well, he measured the size, and he said my throat was small because I'm a girl, you know, nothing new there. And then he looked at my tonsils, and you know what he said to me? Do you know what this man said to me? He said they were abnormally huge for a girl my size. How am I supposed to respond to that? Like, I don't even know what to say. I still don't know what to say. Like, thank you. And then he started telling me about, you know, tonsillectomies and stuff because my tonsils, because they're so abnormally huge, may be obstructing my airway. So he told me about the tonsillectomy and, you know, I don't want to do that because, You should save your tonsils because they prevent you from getting sick. And like, if you don't really need to take them out, then don't take them out. And at this point, they weren't bothering me. Like, I've just lived my life with not knowing that I've had big tonsils, you know? So he gave me the oximeter test as a first trial to measure my blood pressure and oxygen levels. And then... Yeah, sleep with that overnight and then I'd have to bring it back and so I brought it back and then I was called in for another appointment. And the doctor confirmed that I was a good candidate for an overnight sleep study and he told me that I may have to do a daytime sleepiness assessment due to the severity of my disorder. So I'm like, okay, cool. And then months passed and I went in to do the overnight sleep study at UBC. And that appointment was one that I will not forget. I still have pictures like they put wires all over my body, like literally from head to toe. I had these electrodes all over my forehead, my face to the back of my neck. Um, she parted my hair way and like placed it literally on my head. And then she placed it on my chest, on my back, all over my hands and legs. Ten feet and it was just a crap ton of wires. And that shit is very uncomfortable to sleep in. Very. Because you're not really restricted to moving but you kind of are because you have so many wires tangled up on you and it's just like, mm, no. Anyways, so I did that and once the test was over, the sleep tech determined that I needed to do additional testing because I guess my diagnostics was all weird for them. So I did the daytime test and moving back to when I started the overnight sleep study, there were six of us in that group. And guess what? They were all older men. Back to the daytime sleep test, they all left. Like I was the only one to stay in that fucking hospital to do the test. Like, what the fuck? I don't, To know that you're the only one doing that test is, you know, obviously giving me anxiety because, like, what the fuck is wrong with me? (sighs) So they explained what was going to happen during the daytime sleepy assessment and they removed some wires. Not all, but some. Basically forced me to sleep, wake up, sleep, wake up. And they did this maybe like five, six times when they made you go to sleep you have to sleep for like a certain time i think it was an hour i'm not really sure i can't remember and then they force you to wake up for like 15-20 minutes something like that like i said i can't remember it's been a while and yeah they made you wake up for a certain amount of time and right when you wake up they ask you did you dream how long did it take for you to fall asleep and that happened every time they made you fall asleep and then wake up, they'd ask you those questions. And that happened multiple times, all within a span of like seven to eight hours. After the appointment, they told me to go home and that it'll take a few months for the apnea specialist to get back to me with the results. So when I went back for the follow-up, the apnea specialist told me and confirmed that I had RLS. For those of you that don't know, RLS is Restless Leg Syndrome. Basically, restless leg, Oh, that's on a whole nother level. To anyone that has restless leg and is actually taking the medications, oh, if it works, good on you, but like, ooh, that's not a medication that I would recommend. I'll explain in a bit. So um, he told me that I also had mild sleep apnea, so he referred me to a sleep tech to do a trial CPAP machine. And I hated that. Oh, I, I hate that CPAP machine with a passion. It was very uncomfortable for me and it was a bad experience. Not that bad, but like bad, you know? I made an appointment with the tech and she explained it a bit more. And she said, some people, it takes maybe a week to get used to, others can take a month, and she told me not to be discouraged if it wasn't working for the first few days, so I'm like okay, I'll give it a try. And she gave me these um, nose insert things to try out. One of them is like literal nose plugs, and the other is like a pillow. That was annoying as fuck. I hated it because the airflow was all weird and anytime that you would try to talk it was hard because the air goes in through your nose and then out through your mouth and it was just very uncomfortable and it was just weird to sleep in. So I tried that for a couple of days and then I went back and told her that it wasn't working for me like the the airflow was leaking and then she gave me the face mask. And for those of you who don't know, imagine looking like Bane, right? With an elephant's trunk on your nose. And I hated it. I was very congested. I had dry mouth, hard to breathe, kept clogging my nose. And some nights I'd have issues sleeping because the mask was so uncomfortable because it's literally something on your face attached to your head. Like it's, it's just hard. On another note, um, We also discussed about potentially getting it covered because I thought at that point the machine was, you know, going to be the fix. <laughs> Little did I know. Anyways, the insurance wouldn't cover it because my sleep apnea was not severe enough. It was only mild, which is bullshit because that machine is fucking expensive and anyone who has sleep apnea should be covered for that because if that's a fix, why wouldn't they help out? Right? Thank god that didn't work out. And I was on that shit for two and a half months. That's two and a half months of uncomfortable sleep. A week before I had to return the CPAP machine, um, I had another follow up with the doctor at UBC. And I told him how the CPAP wasn't working and he told me to consider taking the RLS medication because the CPAP didn't work. I tried that for three weeks and ugh. Remember how I said earlier that RLS was an issue for me? Yeah, I hate it. Mm -mm. Do not recommend. Don't take it. If that's ever prescribed to you, run away. Basically, the medication makes you feel paralyzed. When I first took the medication, holy shit, the first night was horrible for me because I was crying hysterically and I, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't feel my legs and I don't like not having the feeling to feel your legs. That shit's weird. And I started panicking having an anxiety attack and crying and bawling my eyes out, I just, it was, ugh. The medication didn't even help, like I tried it for three weeks, but honestly it didn't help. It just made me feel so bad that I was crying myself to sleep in order for me to sleep. And yeah, I went back to the doctor, told him that it didn't work for me, and he decided to put me on a stimulant, which is modafinil also known as ProVigil. That medication keeps you alert for a good 12 hours, I would say. And from what I've heard, it's generally used for shift work, like for nurses and stuff, because they do like certain hours on and then certain hours off, and it screws up with your whole circadian rhythm. So he gave me that medication. And explained that I could increase it if I needed to, so he gave me an excessive amount because he wasn't sure how much I would need to take. And gave me a three month trial. And you know, aside from getting a mouth ulcer that was very uncomfortable, it worked great. Like, I loved it. Until I got sick. And you know, the first week of taking Modafinil, it felt amazing. Like honestly, I felt so good about myself. One of my coworkers mentioned that I was a whole new person and could really see a difference. She was telling me how she really didn't know how tired I actually was until I started taking the medications. Like. I looked more alive to her, I wasn't pale, I had color on me, I was flushed and glowing. Like before I literally looked like a zombie compared to after taking that medication. I wasn't slurring my words anymore, I was enunciating, I was less lagged, more alert, and like that was good feedback for me. And then I went snowboarding that weekend, and you guys, I did two runs with ease, which is a miracle! Because usually I'm tired by then, and I need to grab something to eat or something to drink, have a break for, I don't know, 30 minutes, and then I'd be good to go. But after taking that medication, holy, I felt like I could do everything. Like, my body was so energetic. But yeah, after that week, I stopped taking the medications because I got sick for a month. And I don't know if I got COVID because during that time, it was the beginning of March, and I don't really know if I got the virus or not because they wouldn't test me. Anyways, I had a three month follow up after with the sleep apnea specialist and I told him the medications were great, but I forgot to tell him, or rather, I neglected to tell him that I only took it for a week. But you know, that week was amazing. So he told me after reviewing the file that he determined that. Since he was only a sleep apnea specialist, he needed to re-refer me to another specialist because the um, CPAP didn't work out for me and generally when he prescribes the CPAP, usually it works for his patients. So considering that it wasn't the sleep apnea issue for me, he had to send me to someone else and he told me that generally it's six months or more wait for another specialist as we all know, so he gave me a six-month prescription for the stimulant, and I told him about the medication and if it has any contraindications, and he said to just check with a pharmacist, and I'm like, okay, because I am taking other medications, and right now I'm just waiting for the referral. I went to go fill the medications with a pharmacist, and they saw that it was for a longer fill, so they saw that the medication that I am currently on contraindicates the modafinil. And I talked to the doctor about the contraindications with my birth control patch. And we had a whole discussion of going back and forth with other alternatives I could maybe take and IUDs and such. and. It came down to prescribing me a progestin-only pill, Movis, which I never took. And he sent that medication to the pharmacist. So the pharmacist that called me prior called me again and said, yeah, this medication is actually a no-go for you because if you're going to be on medafinil, the birth control, it's, it's going to be decreased is what they stated and all hormonal birth control were affected with having to take Modafinil because you know, Modafinil doesn't like hormones for whatever reason. So I had to call my doctor back and after further discussion, we talked about possibly getting pregnant in the future and he basically gave me kind of like an ultimatum asking me what was better in my opinion not getting pregnant or just living a better lifestyle and he made the recommendation to go off of birth control because at that point after like what i'm going through at this point in my life it's just better for me and he did confirm that i didn't need to take the stimulant daily so that was a big relief on my part because i don't like taking pills And honestly, I just fucked it. I haven't taken it since. I haven't gotten the new six-month medication refill on it either, so it's just sitting at the pharmacy. And I mean, I still have the medication that was prescribed on the three-month trial because my doctor gave me a shitload, so that's still just sitting in the cabinet because I haven't been using it. And I mean, I only take it if I really need to. Like, if I'm having a long day where I need to be more energetic than what I'm usually then I'll take it. But other than that, I, you know, I still feel like shit. I'm still oversleeping. I'm still tired. I'm groggy. All the other side effects that come with that short term memory, brain fog, super physically and mentally exhausted. I mean, yeah, I can take vitamins and medications and stuff, and I do take vitamins here and there. But I just want to figure out what's going on without having to take anything, you know, just going the natural route. but. That's all I know for now. And I'll update you guys as soon as something new comes up. But yeah, that's my journey on my sleep disorder. Still trying to figure shit out, but you know, it's progress. Anyways, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. Hopefully the audio is decent this time. And remember to follow me on Instagram at windown with MK. Or if you want, you can tweet me at hey underscore Mare. And let me know if you have any topics that you want to hear about or just, you know, let me know what you think. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can find me on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. I release a new episode every Saturday. And yeah, catch you guys later. Bye.